Good, good morning, Liberty. Well, what is going on, all of our Liberty-loving friends? This is another fantastic episode of Good Morning Liberty. I'm one of the hosts here, Charles Chuck Thompson. Not here every day as the other most beloved host, Nathaniel Paul Thurston, bringing you Liberty straight to your domes every single day of the week when we want to. This is a, a podcast where we talk about life, liberty, and the pursuit of meaning and COVID. <laughs> those those yes. are the main topics of discussion. Yeah, well, I'm a, I'm Nate, of course. You guys all know that. That's why you're here. Yeah. Nate, Nate the Great, you know why you came to listen today, and it was uh, because you already knew who I was. But anyway, we've got a wide, diverse uh, famous amount of... Sins. Yeah, a, a, <laughs> a lot of topics to talk about today. We're going to be talking a little bit about this Amir Locke situation up in Minneapolis. It happened last week. There are some protests over the weekend. We're going to talk a little bit about the no-knock raids and how we probably don't agree with those being a thing. And, of course, Rand Paul had introduced the bill that would have stopped that. And a bunch of states are getting rid of school mask mandates. And uh, all while the CDC put out a new study a couple days ago, saying that even cloth masks are like 56% effective at stopping the spread of not the current strain that we're on right now, by the way. It was an old study, but still the New York Times cited that study when they were talking about governors getting rid of the mask mandates. So that's great. And then another random libertarian topic, this bill in Iowa that would put cameras in all of the classrooms where parents could watch what their kids were doing and, yes, what the teachers were teaching all day. And you may or may not agree with what we're going to say about it. I wonder where they got that idea from. Um, I don't know. Uh, private places do that, you know. They sure do. It's, it's already a thing for around a, the country. For a fee. Yeah, it's not, I, not like all the private schools, but a lot of places that, like, say they watch your kids all day. You can get on there and look and make sure I your could, kid's okay. Right now, I can pay a $10 fee. To have a live dollar fee, not included fee. in what you're already paying. It's a ten dollar. It's not ten dollars yeah. a month. It really is ten bucks a month, <laughs> and I could watch Parker's classroom at any time of the day. Yeah, anytime I want to. All right. Well, let's go ahead and get into this first situation here. It's less than a dollar a day, Nate. The first story is, we're going to be going off of Reason.com here from it, and they say that Amir Locke's death should incense anyone who cares about gun rights. So an officer with the Minneapolis Police Department SWAT team shot and killed a 22-year-old man on Wednesday morning, this is last week, during the ex execution of a no-knock raid, reinvigorating debate around law enforcement tactic that many say is ripe for abuse. The victim, Amir Locke, who appeared to be asleep on the couch that morning, was not named on the warrant. In a matter of about three seconds, body camera footage shows the man buried under a thick white blanket, stirring to the sound of cops' entry, with his hand on the barrel of a firearm. That's right, he was sleeping next to a gun, which is on the table, which is, is not that some people might think that's crazy, but there is a gun about 10 inches away from my head while I'm asleep at all times, just ready, waiting to go all the time. Okay, and th this is okay. It is okay to sleep next to a weapon so you could defend yourself quickly if someone barged into your home. All right, interim Minneapolis, Minneapolis, interim Minneapolis is the, uh, what they technically call this person, Minneapolis police chief, initially said that Hanneman shot Locke because Locke pointed his gun in the direction of officers. 
But the footage released by the government appeared to contradict that. Locke's gun was pointed to the side, and his hand was on the barrel of the weapon, not the trigger. He owned the gun legally and had a concealed carry Which, I mean, permit. That, I mean, I think that is important, although it would be tough for cops to see. Yeah, it is. Whether or not his finger was actually on the trigger. Mm-hmm. It's hard to call a timeout in those situations. Yeah. Like, timeout, let's assess the situation uh, because it's a, a raid at night when yeah. people are sleeping. It's, um, in this, like, in this situation, you'll see that we're not really going to throw a lot of, we're not throwing hate on the police officers here. Uh, to me, the whole problem is the fact that they were there doing a no-knock raid in the first place. They should have knocked and announced themselves and then done it that way the person who was inside knew what was happening and they weren't startled awake by someone breaking into an apartment and you're sleeping with a gun it's just a a bad thing that can happen right there so it says uh he owned the gun legally and had a concealed carry permit according to his family's legal representation quote my son was executed and now his dreams have been destroyed said Locke's mother at the press conference friday they didn't give him a chance, echoed attorney Ben Crump, who, by the way, was also the attorney for George Floyd's family. Locke's scenario should bother just about anyone who supports the right to carry a firearm. This is back from reason here. The Second Amendment does not discriminate, nor does it evaporate as soon as the government enters the premises, particularly when considering that the founding impetus behind it was to protect against a tyrannical state. That is true. Yeah, I agree with that. So the once again, like we were talking about the scenario where the cops come in, once you're in there, let's say that it's legal, that they're doing this, this is part of their job, they're going into the apartment doing a no-knock raid, someone has a gun, they grab it, and they're moving it towards them. You could say they could have waited another second to see if he was going to fire at them or something like that, but I don't think that really helps in this scenario. I think he still ends up dead. You might end up with a cop being shot. Um, and that doesn't really solve the scenario here doesn't at all. solve the problem at all. The problem is that they were there. This could happen to anyone and it has happened to several people, including, um, you know, the elderly and some other people when they get the address completely wrong mm-hmm. um, and the suspects completely wrong. They don't ever take that into consideration. It seems like, um, and so if you, if you remove everything prior to the cops being inside the house, then you could say, obviously, it was self-defense by the police officers because this guy was going to shoot shoot him. But the question is, is why were they at that house to begin with? Or, and what gives them to write, the right to enter uh, that premises? This was a homicide investigation. Just so everyone knows, this was not for drugs. Uh, it's the, the person, Amir Locke, who was killed, was not listed on the warrant. Uh, they haven't said that he was a suspect or anything like that. I think he happened to be staying at the apartment of whoever it was that they were coming in. We have no idea whether or not he had any knowledge of whatever the crime was or anything like that. Uh, you know, for all I know, Charlie could have killed someone before he came to work today. It doesn't mean that, you know, I should be killed while I'm at his house or anything like that. Or here so, at the office. So until we, even then, even if you are implicated in a crime, you still need to see a judge. You know, you need to have a judge and a jury decide whether or not it's time for you to go. And, and so, you know, they had a better reason for being there this time than normal. I think about 70% of the raids are over drugs. I was looking at some of the stats earlier, which, by the way, the stats are really hard to find on this. Around like 70% of the raids are over drugs. 
and only about a third of them actually end up finding drugs at the house that they're raiding. Something like 10% in New York were conducted at the wrong address, uh, like you were just talking about earlier. I mean, it's a, there's a lot of Dan, things that Dan's can go wrong here. Saying, I don't, uh, you know, I, I believe Dan here, I haven't looked it up, but Dan is saying here in this case, they did have the wrong address because they didn't even know which apartment to go into. Mm. They had three warrants for three apartments in the building and executed them all simultaneously. Okay. I did not see that. Yeah. You should not go in, go in guns blazing when you shouldn't do it anyway. And especially if there's not some type of imminent threat, like you don't know for sure which apartment you're supposed to go into. Yeah. That that might be one of them because two of them will be filled with completely innocent people. And the other one is someone who is innocent until proven guilty. And well, so, and it, you know, we have a lot of gun owners that listen to this podcast. What would you do if you heard somebody busting through your door? Yeah. I mean, I know the first thing I would do is reach over to my bedside table to my nice little handy bedside safe because I have a five-year-old. So yeah, I don't have any kids, so mine's just sitting open, yeah. loaded, ready to nice. go on the Which table. Nice. Um, I do have a nice bedside safe that works with a thing because it's quick. Yeah, I just reach over, thing opens up, and uh, that's where I keep my Nerf guns. Yeah, because I don't have. Yeah. I lost my. You didn't. You, you the Nerf guns. You see, because of the Nerf bullets, it floated in the boating accident. And I could because those float. So you, you were those. able to get those exactly. I got you. Um, but uh, that's that's exactly what I would do, and so I I would for sure uh, be a victim uh, probably because I don't think that I would be able to fight off a, a band of yeah. Someone breaks in your house, you're gonna have your gun out, and in that case, if it does turn out to be the cops, they're gonna shoot and kill you. Exactly. You're going to be dead. Yeah. So the the real problem here is these raids. Um, and we talked about this back with George Floyd, even. With Breonna um, Taylor, we talked we about talk, it. We also mainly, talked about with yeah. Breonna Taylor. What, well, what I'm saying is what we talked about with all of these is we have to reduce the the interactions between the state, the, the police, the enforcement arm, the killing machine, you could call it, or the, the right to kill, not necessarily a machine, but... Police do have authorized use of deadly force. Um, so we should limit those interactions as much as possible. Um, and these types of things are, in my view, unbelievably disgusting. Mm -hmm. And and they should have been gone a long time ago. Um, and and, it, and, it, and honestly, the cops should feel horrible about even doing Like, I, I feel like if I was a cop, I would be like, yeah, I'm never participating in a no-knock raid ever again. Yeah. Like, I... Somebody else is going to have to do it because I can't do it. And maybe these guys might say that. You know, yeah. Who's to say they don't feel horrible? So uh, there's some protests going on because of this. And there should be protests about this. Now, should it be because Amir Locke uh, was black? That's because that's what the protests are, of course, going to be centered around. Maybe that's a useful vehicle for getting people upset about this, I guess. But I really think that this is something we should all be able to come together on and just all agree regardless of our skin color that it's bad when the government bursts into your house ready to kill you like we don't really have to say it shouldn't really matter whether or not the person was white or black and in fact the only numbers i could find and this is just from wikipedia and they cited all their sources and all that said that about 42 percent of the people uh, killed in the no-knock raids were black and i know that as far as a the population goes that's more than what the percentage of the population is but it's not more than the percentage of violent crimes and things like that 
Now, we should still just stop the interactions, most of them. Most of these occur because of drugs, all right? Uh, this was before the drug war. The numbers I was finding out, there was about 3,000 a year for the no-knock raids that were conducted. The estimates right now are between 20 and 70,000 per year that happen. And now most of those don't end up with someone being killed, but it's a lot. It's too many. And most of those are for drugs, not for the things that you would think, like actually what this one was for. But they're not most of the time not for the things that you would think. Well, and it was mentioned in the live group here, which you can uh, be a part of by going to goodmorningliberty.locals.com. And it was mentioned that they could have easily staked out the house and when or this apartment complex for that matter and figured out when their suspect was, um, you know, in public leaving the residence mm-hmm. so that they could apprehend them then. Uh, to me, that sounds like it would be a perfectly reasonable solution to these raids that happen, um, unless there is an uh, you know a nine one one call or something that there's an active you know murder or something happening at that specific address. Should the idea is that enter they want without. to catch the person by surprise. You know <laughs> they they want to get them when they're not when they don't have a gun on uh, on them. Uh, when they're sleeping and surprise them. But the problem is when you have a large error rate for the places that you're no-knock rating, then you're going to be catching a lot of other people by surprise. And uh, 44% of the households in the U.S. Uh, have guns in them. So just not a great idea overall. Yeah. All right, let's talk about the uh, protest real quick. Well, before quick that, that you were talking about solutions. And, you know, go ahead and skip down to the Rand Paul thing, I think. Okay. Real quick, because... There- Rand Paul oh, just had, for that. Yeah. Yeah. He had a solution for this. Yeah, there was a solution. Rand Paul, uh, back in, let's see, June of 2020, introduced a bill to end no-knock raids. And, of course, it just went nowhere. And why is that? Because no one would sign on to really get involved with this at all. No Democrats. He had two Republican co-sponsors on this and no Democrats involved. And that's because the people that are in power are not actually interested in solving problems. They're interested in selling you on the idea that they're going to solve problems. And that's really their only job, is to talk to you about how they're going to. But if, if Democrats were to sign on to a bill that, that racist Nazi Republican Rand Paul put out there called the Justice for Breonna Taylor Act, that's a, that is a uh, really big concession there for them as far as political lines go. It didn't get any media coverage. No. And this is what is disgusting about these types of things because this is something that would actually help solve the problem by ending these no-knock raids. And, be, and, the, and the truth of the matter is is that you have all these police unions and things that are giving money to these politicians that don't want to uh, hinder any of their practices. Yeah. And so they'll just pay lip service to everyone saying, well, we're – we need to end the violence. We'll wear our scarfs uh, in the wrong way, and we'll take a knee on the Capitol. But uh, we won't. Uh, we won't vote for this thing that's actually going to help anyone. Well, because that would be that would be allowing like the Republican Party or Rand Paul to have a win on this, and then the people that were happy that this was passed, well, they would have to look at Rand Paul's bill is the one that actually got some justice for Breonna Taylor and stopping this from happening. And the sad fact is, because of politics, Amir Locke is dead. Literally. There wouldn't have been a no-knock raid because it would have been banned. Now, it would have been banned on a federal level, and there's 
I guess, libertarian questions about that, but I think it is the job of the federal government to make sure that your liberties are not being uh, clearly taken away around the country. Like that's their only job, like actual liberties that you have and you have a right to privacy. You have a right to defend yourself. And this clearly violates that. So a little bit, this is actually from, from it's, What's up? Well, it's a federal law. It would ban federal law enforcer uh, officers from carrying out a warrant. And any agencies that, that re- receive Justice Department funding. funding yes. Which so would be all of them. So he's using that same loophole yeah. mm-hmm. for Medicaid. It's like the, it's yeah. like the mandates for the vaccine. Exactly. Anyone who receives funding from us, that means that we can change it. So the Justice for Brianna Taylor Act bans federal law enforcement officers from carrying out a warrant until after the officer provides notice of his or her authority and purpose and block state and local law enforcement agencies that receive Justice Department funding from carrying out warrants that do not require the officer involved to provide notice of his or her authority and purpose before forcibly entering Oh, the I premises. see why this failed now. Mm. Um, his or her. Oh, okay. They he, use gendered language in it. His, yeah. uh, his scribes didn't write this mm-hmm. very well. Yeah. So he should have said to provide, you know, his or her there. Z. Z's notice. Uh, that just say persons to provide notice of, of persons authority. Well, what if they don't want to identify as a person? Yeah, so that's then, tricky. You're right. Mm-hmm. Mm. Sorry, that's just can some of my do, old like old fangled ways of you, talking. That's my bad. Do can you do maybe some Latin in there that people wouldn't like at all? Mm, no, that people we, would understand. No, because uh, then I mean that would be racist too. You wouldn't be able to do that because know? we don't. Like Latin? Yeah, I mean, that's just for rich, white, educated people, you know? Yeah. that's You can't just write it in some language that only the elites know, you know? Uh, That's why it didn't pass. This is a curveball, you know? (laughs) This is an issue. Yeah, so... But no, this would have been something uh, that... This obviously needs to pass, at least at the state level, I think we could... this See, this is where I think libertarians can have a really good uh, track record Mm -hmm. in your local municipalities fighting for these types of things where maybe you're not ending no-knock raids for the country, but maybe you could do it for your county. You know, maybe you could do it for your your province or if you live in Louisiana, your parish. Um, maybe you could do it... Some states have for, done this. ...for your state. Yeah. You know, so these are where we could where we could win locally because the truth of the matter is it, it, it could affect you. Um, most libertarians or liberty-minded people own guns. And most of them will protect their house with their guns. And so this is something that we all should should care about. So, all right, I'll talk about this protest here from Yahoo. Hundreds protest in Minneapolis after police killing of black man during no-knock raid. I tell you what, Minneapolis is on the map. This place. Hundreds of people protested in the streets of Minneapolis, Minnesota, after police killed a 22-year-old black man during a no-knock raid with demonstrators demanding that the practice be banned. The loud but peaceful crowd chanted the name of Amir Locke on Saturday, three days after he was killed by police within 10 seconds after they entered an apartment where he was sleeping on the couch. Protesters argued that Mr. Locke had the right to have his weapon and wasn't afforded the chance to disarm himself and cooperate with the police during the quick raid. At least 500 demonstrators demanded that the police chief and mayor resign as well as that the officers involved in the shooting be dismissed from the department. Speakers insisted that more be done to combat police violence against black people, arguing that they are targets of extreme law enforcement tactics. 
And but, I would argue everyone. That's the and that's the annoying part of this is we don't have to make this a race issue. This is something that everyone can get involved in. A human being was killed by a police officer. And as far as the statistics go on this, like I was finding, there's there's for sure no evidence that this only happens to black people. In fact, it's uh, the only number I found was 42%, and that was just from Wikipedia, uh, citing, I think they cited the New York Times article that was citing something else, probably Wikipedia. And, and so we don't have the data showing that this is only a problem for, for black people. This is a problem for everyone, for the police to be able to just barge into your house. And when you try to defend yourself, they kill you. So I, I get annoyed when this happens. And it, it just, what it does is it creates this divide because I, you know, I'm less likely to go to this protest, which is really far away. So I'm not going to go to it, but I'm less that likely cold. to go. It's It's February in Minneapolis. If, the, if this protest was about human rights being violated by the state and taking away your natural rights that you have, then that's one thing. But if the protest is about how the, the whole system is racist, then that's not a protest I'm going to go get involved in. And so that you're really just shutting yourself off to what could be a much bigger movement. All right. Yeah. It, it, the color shouldn't matter. Um, it, it's, it's just, it should be ended everywhere. Um, and sure, you know, justice for Amir Locke um, and all the stolen lives. This is a practice that should have been banned a long time ago. And I find it um, sad. Yeah. Um, that we're dealing with this. What's, uh, what's one thing that's bad here? Now, this isn't just you know, the, the protests so far seem to be peaceful. Okay. So that's good. At least mostly. That's, uh, that's, from what I can tell, mostly peaceful seems to be the way that this is going. But there are people that don't want it to remain peaceful. And uh, the only reason I'm playing this is because, you know, if you're up in this area, don't do this. This is a bad idea for your entire community. And we don't want to see what happened in the summer of 2020 happen again. Well, let's play you. this. Feel your anger fully. Be mad. Be mad. Because your anger is justified. Build barricades, burn precincts, reappropriate what they've stolen for you for thousands of generations. Most of all, show love to one another, radical love, and show absolute hate to those who oppress us. Power to the looters, power to the rioters. Say his name! Okay, that's enough of that. <clears throat> Love and hate in the same yeah, speech. I know, <laughs> I know. Man. Um, also, th are there any, are there, is it even, have we even had a thousand generations? No, no, that's one thing, but, you know, we'll, we'll forgive that. And he said thousands. Thousands of generations. Yeah. And so, I, listen, there for a bit, he's saying, you know, your, your anger is justified. It is. That's true. Your anger is justified. That's true. But then you go to take back what they've reappropriate, what they've taken from you for thousands of generations. Power to the looters and power to the right. Like this isn't about this guy being killed in a no-knock raid anymore. This is about systemic racism and how everything is racist. 
and the and everyone's a victim unless you're a straight white male, and that's what that's what this guy is talking about. And I'm just saying that's not the direction that this whole thing needs to go. This is something that we can all that we could all come together on really easily. You know, a, a lot of heck. I was looking up stats earlier. You know, the best place I found for stats talking about how terrible no knock raids were, Newsmax. Newsmax huh. TV was one of the best places, like as right wing as you could possibly get talking about how terrible the no-knock raids are. You know, we could all come together on this just fine, it's, unless you make this about systemic racism in America. It's just to the left of Breitbart, yeah. I would say. But, but <laughs> I, don't, pretty, I don't know about that. It's pretty close. Well, and that's the thing. You know, eventually, this is the cycle I was talking about philosophically a couple of weeks ago, if you missed that, which is, you know, hate doesn't drive out hate when we were talking about, you know, the Middle East and things like that. Um, and... and would these people feel justified um, in their anger and then their actions getting vengeance? Um, I'm always reminded of that Jordan Peterson speech when he was talking about acting out your resentment and see what happens. Um, because obviously there's a built up resentment and hatred and frustration and anger. Um, you know, if someone kills one of your loved ones unjustly, you know, you want to get blood for blood. Um, and that's all understandable is human emotions, very understandable, but it's like you, you take that action and you make everything that you're complaining about infinitely worse mm -hmm. is what he talked is what Jordan Peterson talked about. And I've, that has sat with me for a really long time because you're, these people are definitely justified, mm -hmm. I would say in their anger about the situation. Um, they could even be justified about the anger, uh, from what happened hundreds of years ago, um, I don't think that's any place um, for someone to tell them that they can't feel those things. I'm mad about what happened a couple hundred years ago too. Exactly. And that's the thing is, is having that empathy. But the, but what, what, what Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. did was he flipped the script and said, the only way to drive out hate is through love. Mm -hmm. And this is what I'm talking about philosophically here, which is what the actual way to solve this problem is through love and forgiveness and change and acceptance um, and making a better way for everyone. Well, it's things like, like getting together with a Republican and passing something like um, the, the uh, justice for Breonna Taylor's act. That's, a, and, that's exactly what I was about to say. Right. If you just had just say love or less political divisiveness and you were willing to work with people who thought differently on other things, then that could have gone through. And there were already th at least three Republicans behind it. You could have gotten, you should have gotten all the Democrats behind it. And you probably would have gotten a lot more Republicans behind it. At this time, I think Republicans still had the Senate. I think the Democrats had the House uh, in 2020. I don't remember exactly what the makeup was. I don't, I don't remember exact or did the, yeah, I think that's how it was. Uh, so a little bit of, love and understanding and the willingness to work with other people that you disagree with on other issues would have stopped this guy from getting killed. So that's a good example. And one of my favorite, one of my favorite Ayn Rand quotes is you do not fight evil by adopting it and practicing it. And I always thought that that was, I, I think she nailed it right there. That's not the way that you fight it. You could adopt that evil and you could use it to fight against people of evil, but then you're just the evil again. You know, you're not really solving anything. So, all right, let's... Um, because then, like, you're responsible for your actions at that point. Um, and so, just because you're harmed doesn't give you the right to harm. 
And, you know, I'm not saying that we shouldn't in, in the, in the grand scheme of things, when we're talking about this philosophically, I'm not saying that you can't defend yourself. So there's, there's obviously room for both. Um, but you don't get to practice vengeance because even if it's justified, what does that actually lead to? It's just going to lead to a retaliation and a retaliation and a retaliation exactly. after that. That's all One it is. good thing here, Mayor Jacob Fry ordered a moratorium on no-knock raids on Friday to ensure the safety of both the public and officers until a new policy is crafted. So at least they're going to stop it for now. Yeah. Um, hopefully the, the new policy that's crafted is they'll just get rid of it. <laughs> yeah. Um, he, Mr. Crump said in the statement, uh, in the case of Breonna Taylor, the tragic killing of Amar Locke shows a pattern of no-knock warrants having deadly consequences for black Americans. And you could have just said Americans. Um, although, I mean, I guess I understand in this situation, it was a black, um, guy and in Minneapolis with George Floyd and it becoming so politicized, but, um, this is yet another example of why we need to put an end to these kinds of search warrants so that one day black Americans will be able to sleep safely in their beds at night or on the couch. Um, and, but I do agree. It, it's all Americans. I mean, it's, this has happened to people of all races mm -hmm. and I care about black Americans and Latino Americans and, um, Latina what Americans. About, what about Native Americans? And Native Americans. Asian Americans. Asian Americans. Okay. White Americans. Why? I mean, that's just white Americans. You didn't say European Americans. Oh, that's self-evident, self I guess. Okay. I gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Let's uh, move on to a little conversation about the mask mandate. Actually, Charlie, if you'll do this story from the New York Times, because I'm going to do the study afterwards. And you and um, your studies, man. I You're love just, going through studies. It's mm, fun. Mm, mm. Yeah, especially the when numbers. you guys got to pause and do the math, especially when the study says that the study is pointless. That's my favorite <laughs> kind of study to talk about on the podcast because we have one After of those. You read the study, though. Yeah. <laughs> so, all right. From the New York Times, folks, it's, you know, this whole we've we've watched this narrative start to shift. Mm -hmm. And isn't it something? Isn't it? Isn't it something? That's all I got to say. Uh, New York, uh, New York, Gov New Jersey governor, sorry, the New Jersey governor to end school mask mandate and move to normalcy. So, folks, um, it's time for normalcy. I could agree with that. Mm -hmm. Governor Philip D. Murphy of New Jersey, a Democrat who has imposed some of the nation's most stringent pandemic related mandates, will no longer require students and school employees to wear masks signaling a deliberate shift toward treating the coronavirus as part of a daily life. Hmm. Quote, this is not a declaration of victory as much as an acknowledgement that we can responsibly live with this thing. Mr. Murphy's move follows a decision last month by the Democratic governor of Pennsylvania, Tom Wolf, to rescind the state's school mask mandate. And I'm sure all the people who follow science are up in arms about this, probably. Some of them are, yeah. After Mr. Murphy's plans became public on Monday, Democratic leaders in Connecticut, Delaware, and Oregon also announced that they would end their states in school mask mandates. Yep. They're all just, all the dominoes are falling uh, at once. After uh, last week, after meeting with President Biden in the White House during, an, uh, during the annual governor's conference, Mr. Murphy suggested it was time to reconsider how to manage the virus. The overwhelming sentiment on both sides of the aisle, he said on Wednesday, is we want to get to a place where we can live with this thing in as normal a fashion as possible. That is code for our poll numbers are terrible and people are sick of this and we have midterms coming up. Mm 
And we're still going to get hosed, but we're going to get hosed way harder if we're still acting like everyone needs to be locked in their houses come midterms. Yeah. That's, that's what that's code for. So, of course, the New York Times, they're going to throw in here that masks uh, protect both the wearer from infection and those nearby from being infected. People who reported always wearing a mask indoors in public, a mask indoors in public, were less likely to test positive for the virus. When did they test? We'll talk about it. According to a report released Friday by the CDC, two studies published in September by the CDC, which continues to recommend that children two and older wear masks at school and in daycare, also found evidence that masks help prevent in-school transmission. Now, that's a study that was so bad that even The Atlantic said that it should not be in our public discourse because it was such a terrible study. We went, we went through that one. Um, the, the studies on this have all been bogus. All right. And I want to say thank you real quick to uh, Brad Palumbo from Based Politics uh, for pointing this study out so we could go through it here a little bit. So we appreciate that, Brad. And by the way, you can go listen to that podcast on your favorite podcast app. All right, so here's, the, uh, here's a tweet from the CDC. Now, the reason I care about this is because isn't this dangerous misinformation when you tell people that they are more protected than they actually are when, when they go out in public? We have a couple examples of that. One, it's the idea, the Rachel Maddow idea that we've brought up a lot of times, and President Biden said the same thing, that if you're vaccinated, you can't spread it. Biden has said that within the last few weeks still. Okay, it doesn't matter what the science says. It's how, it's how you feel. All right, that, so that's dangerous misinformation because you're making people feel safer than they actually are. Now, statistically, we're all pretty safe because the survival rate of this virus is pretty darn high, but you are making people feel safer than what they actually are. So to me, this seems like some dangerous misinformation that could lead to people dying, but I don't know. So from the CDC, they said a new study shows that people who reported always wearing masks or respirators in indoor public settings in California were less likely to test positive for COVID-19 compared to those who reported not wearing a face covering. And then learn more at this link. That link goes to the study. So here's what they show. No mask. Here's your baseline right here. A cloth mask, 56% lower odds of getting COVID. Surgical mask, 66% lower. A respirator. 83% lower. Now there's a really important thing, and this is the thing that I saw Brad point out on Twitter. Right up here by cloth mask, you see this little hashtag right here, this little number sign right there next to the cloth mask. When you go to the bottom of the study, it says not statistically significant. On the thing that the CDC put out there. Okay, so that's pretty important. Here's the thing they posted. And next to cloth mask, you get that little thing, and that means that it was not statistically significant. I feel like that's pretty important. Negligible is basically. But this is still now a study that we can cite and say that even wearing a cloth mask protects you. The study itself says that the numbers they got weren't statistically significant, but they went ahead and posted it out anyway on the CDC's Twitter. And, of course, that study was subject to some limitations, How many limitations was it subject to? Eight of them. That is a lot, by the way. I read these studies quite a bit. Eight limitations on a study is quite a few limitations. Well, we're in, this is unprecedented territory. Yeah. Yeah. Now, but if you, if you don't read these things for fun, limitations are reasons that this study might not be valid, might not be scientifically valid. Okay. That's what they are. 
So here's some of the limitations on the study. This study did not account for other preventative behaviors that could influence risk for acquiring infection. In addition, the study is limited to persons seeking SARS-CoV-2 testing. CoV-2 testing. Testing, sorry. So first off, they don't account for any other behaviors that people might be taking. And you could think, well, is someone who's likely to wear a mask all the time also more likely to social distance? Are they likely to not stay in public for as long? Are they likely to avoid large crowds and being around a whole bunch of people? Are they likely to stay at home? Yeah, they're likely to have out? hardly gone anywhere. Yeah. Okay, so that seems important. And it, are they likely to test? Yes, because if you wore your mask and the CDC told you you were less likely to get COVID, then when you have the sniffles, you might be less likely to go get a COVID test because you're like, well, it's not COVID. I had a mask on, then I'm vaccinated. Okay, so the, why would I worry about that? But someone who's out there without a mask on and they get the sniffles, they might be like, well, I guess I'll check and see if this is COVID. So that's just number one. There's actually two things inside of number one, by the way. Number two... This analysis relied on an estimate of self-reported face mask or respirator use across multiple indoor public locations, meaning they asked people whether or not they wore their mask all the time, and that's where the data comes from. You selected yes or no, did I wear my mask? So they actually had no actual data on how often people were really wearing their masks. Right. You could have put anything on there when they asked you that you possibly wanted. Okay. We're, just, we're just trusting the public yeah. here. A uh, small strata, so not a lot of people, limited the ability to differentiate between types of cloth masks or participants who wore different types of face masks in differing settings and also resulted in wider statistical non-significance for some estimates that were suggestive of a protective effect. Meaning <laughs> they weren't able to d differentiate between the different types of masks and that that is why you got that little not statistically significant thing next to it and they say that there's statistical non-significance for some of the estimates that said that this was actually protective. Just so you know. Okay, number four. Estimates do not account for face mask or respirator fit or the correctness of face mask or respirator wearing. So once again, they didn't. this is not like an actual scientific clinical study or anything like that. It's just relied on people answering questions. Number five. Data, collected, data collection occurred before the Omicron variant which is more transmissible than earlier variants. And in fact... Couldn't they easily do a study like on planes? Because everybody's required to wear masks on a plane? I, I guess they could. I don't know. Um, so the Omicron variant thing is pretty important in there, considering even the, the queen of COVID restrictions, Lena Wynn on CNN, is out there saying that cloth masks are a little more than facial decoration. Fauci said the cloth masks weren't going to be very effective. The CDC has said the cloth masks weren't going to be very effective, but they said that they're 56% effective in this study that they posted out. But of course, there's a little thing right there that says it's actually not a statistically significant number. And the study they're posting during the Omicron variant didn't test for the Omicron variant. This is dangerous misinformation coming from the CDC telling people that they're safer than what they actually are. Well, no, they're putting it there in their limitations name. <laughs> As long as you read to the yeah. bottom of the study. Yeah, so. That's right. Okay. It's not missing context or anything because no. the context is at no. the bottom of the study. Yeah. Um, which everyone reads. Face mask or respirator use was self-reported, which could introduce social desirability bias, meaning that people might uh, feel bad if they put that they didn't wear a face mask, so they were more likely to answer saying that they wore one. 
Number seven, SmallStrata limited the ability to account for reasons for testing, which may be correlated with face mask or respirator use. Once again, we mentioned that earlier. Number one. In number one as well, if you wore a mask, you might be less likely to test. If you didn't wear one, you might be more likely to test. So the sample rate's going to be off. And number eight, this analysis does not account for potential differences in the intensity of exposures, which could vary by duration, ventilation system, and activity in each of the various indoor public settings visited. Meaning they don't have any data on where the people actually went, how many people they were around, what kind of ventilation system was inside of the place that they were in. How close they were to that person. Any, anything how many times like they that. lowered their mask. Yeah. While they were eating. And so they... they How many uh, times they got thrown up on. But don't worry. If they lower their mask to make out with their lover the, who had COVID. The biggest one I have... The biggest one I have in it... Well, there's two big things. One, the cloth mask is something that even they have said doesn't work. But they're putting out a study over the weekend saying that they do work. And in fact... But then on the thing, they say that that number is not real. Like on the thing they posted out. And then second, right now, in February of 2022, they're posting something that was conducted during the the Delta variant. uh, And the Omicron variant is much more transmissible, which is the reason that they are saying that the cloth masks are not effective enough to actually matter, which is one of the reasons that so many people are getting rid of their mask mandates. But still, the CDC is putting out this study over the weekend saying that they are effective. Mm. It's, man... But but you know what? We should ban Joe Rogan because he puts out dangerous misinformation. Just so you know. I'll put a link to that study in there. And they, all, they say after all those limitations, they say the findings of this re- report reinforce that in addition to being up to date with your vaccines, consistently wearing face masks or respirators while in indoor public settings protects against the acquisition of a SARS-CoV-2 infection. Uh, last year sometime when there were different variants going around. Also, all the data we have was BS. Yeah. So... There you go. Yep. Except for like, what was it? April to like May or March to May, masks didn't work. Mm-hmm. CDC came out and said, yeah, yeah, it doesn't work. Well, but I mean, they had a good reason, you know, that's because they didn't want people to buy up all the masks. You know, it was for your own good. They were short on it. Yeah. So. Uh, all right. Switching gears from COVID, let's talk about this last thing here, which is uh, cameras. In public school classrooms, we talked about this a little bit earlier or alluded to it a little bit earlier in the live group, which is um, where would the Iowa get this idea from? Where would they get the idea of requiring cameras in public school classrooms? Uh, I think the main reason is because a lot of private schools have them. Yeah. And, and parents I know, seem to like that, too. I know that because it's offered to me in the private school that Parker's currently in. Um, he'll go to um, dangerous public school next year, but without cameras and stuff. So, mm. I mean, I'm concerned parent here, but yeah. I've, I've had the option to watch um, my son in daycare and school for what, five years now. So this from NBC. Conservative lawmakers in Iowa introduced a bill this week that would that would require cameras to be installed in nearly every K through 12 school classroom across the state, allowing parents to see live streams. Teachers advocates have criticized the effort as one designed to censor classrooms and intimidate educators who focus on subjects such as race and history. You know, if you're teaching things that are fine, what do you have to be worried about? I don't know. Um, And again, I'm all for privacy, but this is a public setting. Yeah. 
It is. Yeah. So this is a public room that your child is being forced to be in. That you have to pay for. Yeah. So even if you don't have kids, you're paying yeah. for it. And, in, and a, a person who works for the government is going to be putting things in their brain all day. So that's why overall I'm going to come out in favor of this, although I do understand that there are some tricky pieces to this. Um, Charlie's not here right now. I was reading the live group. Yeah. I apologize. Uh, the Iowa bill would require that cameras be placed in every public school classroom in the state, except for physical education and special special education classes. Uh, which I find that interesting because there there tends to be uh, reported abuse in the special 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 education classes. Yeah, that, that is so a that weird one. That doesn't make much sense. Like it's super important to know what our. Uh, Normal kids are learning. Yeah. <laughs> but um, those neurodivergent yeah. kids. <laughs> Gum. The cameras would feed to live streams that could be viewed on the internet by parents, guardians, and others under the bill. That's the thing that's a, that might, I don't know, as we're talking about this, I'm like, others, there are creepy people out there, like where they just log in to the mm -hmm. live stream. And I don't know. Under the bill, teachers, administrators, and other school staff members who failed to keep the cameras active and in working order or who, or who obstruct the camera's views could be fined up to 5% of their weekly salary per infraction. The cameras would be bought with funds already allocated to the school districts. So the no, not new funding for this. They're saying they got to use the budget they already yeah. have. Probably take it out of the uh, superintendent's salary or something like that. Momsen said the primary purpose of this bill is to increase the involvement of parents in their children's education. Education groups and unions immediately condemned the legislation as censorship Quote, some politicians around the country want to limit not only what history our kids can learn about and what books they can read, censor the truth of our history in some cases, and now in Iowa, they want to install classroom cameras for live monitoring of teachers, said this president of the National Education Association, the largest educators union in the U.S. So uh, let's not put the cameras in the classroom. Let's just mandate that teachers wear body cams. How about yeah. that? We'd be fine with cops being mandated because they're people who work for the government and, and they can do bad things. So why don't we just mandate the teachers wear body cams instead? Yeah. Maybe people will like that more. So I listen, I I know that um I know that this is a tricky subject because of the privacy aspect. I don't care whatsoever about this whole talk of that what they're trying to do is make this about Republicans being crazy about censorship and you know they want to ban books and they want to ban they talking want to about teach about race yeah, and we history. Can't, we can't talk about slavery. They don't want anyone to know that slavery existed and they're they're gonna find the teacher if they talk about slavery. Like that's not to me what this is about. And to me, I before all the CRT stuff and all of that, I already wanted this and I'll tell you why. One of the biggest things you have to deal with as a teacher is our our parents. And one of the biggest problems has been that parents are idiots and they trust what their kids say. What kind of a stupid parent trusts what their kids say? Okay. I'm just saying that's stupid. All right. They're a kid. They lie about everything. All right. And if they said, if the teacher says that you were misbehaving and your kid says they weren't, your kid's probably lying to you. Okay. More, more than, than likely. likely, more than likely your kid is lying because they're a kid. Of course, right. it's not true in every case. Don't come after me, folks. There are some bad teachers out there. And so one of the issues that I, that, I, that I think this would solve, and this is something I already wanted to be out there, 
is a lot of these parents need to know how much their kids suck. That way they can tell their kids, hey, you need to start not sucking in class. You need to, you need to uh, actually start doing some of your work, all right? Or you're just going to grow up being ignorant your entire life. And so this ignorant. would actually, the ignorant, this would, this would actually end up helping parents be better parents, in my opinion, because if the teacher is saying that your kid is misbehaving and not doing any work and, and being really terrible in the classroom, and then the kid says, no, I never did that, and you believe your kid, well, this might help you get out of this weird world where you think that your kid doesn't lie. You know, that's, that's just where I come down on this. This, to me, would actually improve education because the kids would be more likely to behave better in class because so much of what teachers end up reporting, the kids end up lying to their parents and then the parents end up believing the kids and then nothing ever happens. Yeah. And so this will really help with that problem. Well, and you know, so, I, what I don't understand, here's a, a couple of things in favor of this, which is um, one, they do or they did, you know, Zoom school basically in yeah. the pandemic. So you were already on camera. Yeah, it was fine actually putting Every, a camera inside of your house. Right. When the, when the teacher was teaching your to kid. To make sure that you could, yeah, that they could. And yeah, that's fine. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, and then the second thing is they already do this at private schools. Um, and the, we had, even the schools we went to, we had cameras. Mm-hmm. So like they monitored hallways and classrooms. Which I'm sure all things. schools have cameras right. in their hallways. Right. Uh, not ones that parents could check into, but it's not like the teachers weren't being recorded already. Um, I, I don't, I don't know what this actually stops. I, I do want it to be secure. Um, like I said, right now it's, I think an extra $10 charge, which I don't pay for. Cause like I trust Parker's school. I, I don't need to check in on him, but I have, I have that option if I want to. Um, and then it's a secure, you know, link. It's a secure access to the cameras. Although those could easily be hacked because it, it does, you know, there are really creepy people out there that do like to check in on little kids, mm-hmm. um, which is kind of weird. But, I mean, we post our kids' pictures on the internet anyway, so I don't I don't know. What are you really saying? You could probably find a video of kids sitting in the classroom on YouTube right now. Like, right. if you're a creepy person, I'm sure that's something you could search. If you're, I don't know if it's that uh, that different. My main thing on this is I, I, I don't go down with the, oh, this is terrible censorship for the teachers. I don't care about that. You're, you're working for the government and the kid has to be there and we're, you're paying for it. And so I think that that would be a really good option to have. And now one other solution to this, if we were to get outside the government, is that we just need to put more uh, effort into more private schools, more, more stuff like that. You know, we need to make sure that the money's following the student and not well, the and some system. People, some people brought it up in the live group, which I think is an important discussion, is it's not like watching a live stream is going to stop shitty education no it's been happening for years we actually need to fix education and then we wouldn't need cameras but think about how teachers are evaluated too like there's that time a year where the principal has to come in and they sit in on the classroom to see what you're teaching you know i would as someone if it's that important like you got to come in there and see what you're teaching see if this person's any good like you gotta evaluate whether or not they're actually good at doing their job right and and so that that would actually help with that as well. I'm just saying on a on a in a public school thing, I overall would be more in favor of this than against. But I'm I'm not saying there aren't issues with it when it comes to privacy. I'm not saying it's a perfect solution or anything. Yeah. But I think the reasons they're coming out against it are ridiculous. 
Yeah, their reasoning for censorship and and saying that they like oh they want to teach them about race and things like that. There are better arguments against yeah this. Um, but you know, I in public places, I don't really see an issue with it at all. I, I don't see. And, you know, honestly, like to me, this is where the whole 50 states things come in, because if you're really against it, we'll just move to another state that doesn't require this. Well, that are the try it out in Iowa. So it, it can't be on the privacy. One of the privacy things, because we do, like you mentioned, we do have the cameras in the hallways already. We've got cameras all over the schools. Would we be opposed to allowing parents the ability to log in and look at those sometime? Is that is that wrong? You think people will be upset about that? I don't know. So then you're, there are still kids in the hallways, you know, certain times a day, there's a whole bunch of kids out there in the hallway and there's a bunch of teachers and stuff out there. So if it's really about the privacy thing, then we need to pull the cameras out of the hallways too, more than likely. Or do we need to actually uh, talk about these private institutions that are invading everyone's privacy with these cameras in the classroom all the time? You know, it's one of the other parents of Parker's school can get on a camera right now and see Parker all day, you know? There might be another parent right now that Parker goes to school with their kid and they could be sitting there on their phone watching your son right now. Mm -hmm. So like, is that the issue? You know, I don't know. I don't know. This is the, I would say this is a tough one. Yeah. Um, that I don't right now. I can't see anything wrong. I mean, not that I can't see anything wrong with it right now. If I'm deciding on whether I support this or not, um, the answer is I don't know. But it, I feel like it's something we maybe we should try out, see how it goes. Would you be in favor of mandating and pri- and that? And private uh, schools do it right now. So most of us are in favor of mandating that police wear body cams, right? I realize that's a different situation. Police have an authorization of use of physical force over people. And so that ends up being a reason. So we throw the privacy thing for the police officer out the window, I guess. Um, what about another? I would like to have cameras all over the, the Capitol seeing what the politicians are doing all all the time, you know, I don't, I think that would be helpful, but I guess we're, you know, I don't know if I'm super worried about their privacy or not. They'll just smoke their weed in the bathroom. <laughs> That's, I don't care if they're smoking <laughs> weed. That's, in fact, more of them probably should. That that would be fine. You know, I'm just, I, uh, I, I definitely see the benefit with it in the classrooms. I already knew that this is something that libertarians don't agree on because that's how I found this whole story because it was people talking about how crazy libertarians were that agree with this. So I was well aware of that before we started talking about it. But that's okay. You're just getting you're getting my truth in my know, brain right I, now. I don't know how widespread this is, but I have seen teachers on TikTok that are they are out in the open saying yeah, I'm indoctrinating your kids because I can. Yeah. Um, towards like socialist and communist ideas. Um, like they're, they brag about how they have the powers to education to train your children to be, it's, you know, shills for the left. If it weren't for cell phones, would we be having the conversations about education right now that we are? I mean, all these recordings we've seen of teachers doing ridiculous stuff in classes. You know, that's that seemed to be pretty important towards this whole conversation about indoctrination as well. So I guess it's a good thing the cell phones exist and the kids have cell phones and all that. But the videos I've seen on Libs of TikTok also have other kids in them. I was able to watch those videos and we seem to find those pretty valuable also. Mm-hmm. I just, I, I don't see any issue with transparency 
in any government level, and I consider school a level of government, a very important level of government, in fact, could be one of the most important levels of government where there should be as much transparency as possible. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm with Dan here, that I'm kind of torn on this one, not sure where I stand. My part of me says, ooh, yeah, it's weird, but I also like the transparency part. And I, again, lean back on the private market, which is they're already doing this in private schools. Mm -hmm. And so if it's... And private schools offer that as a way to compete with other private schools that don't offer it. Yeah. Like, hey, if you want to check in on your kids, see how they're doing, you know, we're transparent here. Like, we're comfortable being on live stream. You know, all the teachers are aware of this. And so I, I go back and forth um, on this issue. It's kind of, it is kind of strange mm -hmm. that we're at, we're in this place. Um, so anyway, I think it's a great discussion. Keep okay. it going. Well, let's get out of here. All right. If you enjoyed today's show and you hate cameras, tell Nate what you think about it. Nate at goodmorningliberty.us. Nate at goodmorningliberty.us is how you get a hold of his email. Send me the hate. Send him the hate. Get Send that old hate Nate hate out Nate. there. Um, and if you enjoyed today's show, share it with a friend, a colleague, an enemy, and the children who might have their classrooms monitored now. Share it with them. Uh, ask them what they think. Let's ask the kids what they think. <laughs> hey, do y'all want to be on live stream all day long? And they're like, is it going to be on Twitch? Because then they're like, yeah, love it. Then they'll start doing tricks and stuff. Anyway, share it with a is friend. Is Twitch Leave still us. a thing? Is that something that people use? I think so. I don't know. Uh. Rumble, YouTube, who knows? Um, I think a lot of gamers use it, but I think, yeah, I don't know. Twitch is a thing, right? <laughs> I'm sure it is. Okay. I'm sure it is. Um, share the show. Leave us a rating and review on uh, Apple Podcast and Spotify. Make sure to follow the show. And if you do all of those things, we'll be back again tomorrow. Hope you have a good day and a good morning, Liberty. <laughs> <laughs>